Welcome to the Breakthrough the Ordinary podcast. Are you ready to commit to your future self? If you are, sibling duo Mark and Claudine Tremonte will take you on a journey of self-discovery to unlock your highest potential. Through impactful conversations with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, coaches, and healers, we are here to share practical strategies and tools that generate the life you envision. New episodes drop every Monday. Field of transformational leadership. She's a certified master NLP practitioner and a recognized thought leader in ontological, mindful, and ecological living. Betty has designed and facilitated workshops in the domains of leadership, mastery, and effectiveness for communities in Russia, Malaysia, Puerto Rico, Argentina, Chile, Mexico, England, Hong Kong, Canada, Ghana, and the United States, and let's just keep going. Soon Mars. No. <laughs> That's my only little one. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it certainly is. An honor, actually. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I see he said, uh, Mark said, soon Mars. And I was sending people in what we call outer space more and more. In fact, I have a friend who's going on one of these trips. Very exciting. He's going up with the, uh, what's the airplane guy name? Yeah, Branson. He's gone up with Branson, got his ticket three or four years ago when it was just an idea. Wow. Next year, he's scheduled to go. Right. SpaceX is moving, and so is Richard Branson and all these innovators and leaders. I think it's a great way to segue into our topic tonight, which is how do we want to define or redefine success? Because these leaders have made declarations. and Yeah. It's one of the topics I spend a lot of time with. And that what is success? Is success how much you accumulate in life? Is success how much you contribute? Because there's a, a distinction. And I, was, I was talking to my friend who's going up. And he said, you know, I hesitate to tell my friends that I'm going up. Because then they look at me, here's another rich white guy going up into going into outer space. And he said, but I worked very hard in my life. And what I'm leaving with my kids as a legacy is also the opportunity and the possibility that through discipline, through work, that they can fulfill on their dreams. And by fulfilling on their dreams, I'm fulfilling on my dreams, which is to have them be successful and meaningful human beings in the world. So I think we're redefining success. And I talk a lot about it, as you know, Claudine, especially in the world of coaching, which is coaching about, if you're coaching a business, it's coaching about having the business succeed and people be basket cases (laughs) with no dignity and no self-esteem. Or is coaching is success now about the totality of the human being and also ecology, what we're doing with this planet. Am I succeeding if the planet is not succeeding? And again, something I say too, you know, long after we human beings have been kicked off the planet, this planet will be here, regenerating itself over and over and over again. So we're looking at success in a, in a different way. And then in terms of the individual, how do we as individuals have the success that matters to us in our lives? 
And I have come to find that one of the key ingredients, key ingredients is discipline. If you don't have discipline, if I don't have discipline, and that's a discipline in my thinking, my language, and my actions, then what I have is a crapshoot. I don't know what the outcomes will be. And as we study more and more about biology, ourselves as biological cells, we begin to notice that our practices and our habits show up in an embodied way. And when I train my mind and my body, which are not disconnected, they're really connected, I begin to have a greater chance at achieving or bringing forth another way to look at it. Now, what I, what I say matters to my life, like my purpose, my intention, my mission. So what is all of that? And that's how I'm beginning to look at success. Can I just ask you for the distinction of discipline first? How are you speaking from that so that our listeners and you are like, we can share the language together? Well, I'm speaking of discipline like if I, inside the context of purpose, mission, and what outcomes I want to have in my life. So if I say what I'm going to do is to have discipline in my mind, I have to have certain practices. And the one practice that I advocate is mindfulness. Because if your mind is all over the place, up, down, here, and, and, there's, and, and you don't have the kind of observer and the kind of practices where you can make your mind mind, be quiet, and you cultivate your mind, then your thoughts are all over the place. I Like now, I used to walk, watch TV early in the mornings. Yeah, after I would do my mindfulness meditation, I wanted to see what happened in the world overnight. And so I'd watch the news. And, and then I started to say, let me let that go. Let me continue the discipline in my mind by going for a walk. And since I've been here in North Carolina, right, going for walks and talking with the trees, now don't think I'm crazy, but trees really do talk. They communicate. And when I go out after I've spent 25, 30 minutes and sometimes an hour being quiet here, when I walk out, and sit near my trees, they don't belong to me, but I sit near the trees. I began to listen in a whole other way where there's peace, there's energy, and there's a wisdom that comes from the whole all plan intelligence that was not available to me if I didn't discipline my mind and discipline my body to listen in a different way. So that's what I mean by discipline. I'm also finding that it's one of the key ingredients to any kind of success. And if you don't have it, and if you're all over the place, which starts here, I'm pointing here like the mind, like the brain, but it's throughout the whole body. If I can't sit and be quiet and notice my thoughts as they come and go without getting triggered by every thought, that rushes, that moves through what I call the space of Betty Sproul, then I have no discipline. I'm an effect. So 
you're actually saying that the discipline actually creates a space in us for that creation discipline. Like you're actually creating space for whatever can come or come from you or you generate, because if you don't have that space in yourself with that and don't do the discipline, you don't have any space for that to really come alive. Yeah, the soil. Yeah. I grew up on a farm, not too far from uh, where I just moved. And as a farmer, we learned that a part of cultivating life on a farm had to do with discipline. So by cultivation, you plant the seeds, but you had to do something with the soil. I think the mind is the same way. You put the seeds in the soil, and then you nurture, take care of the seeds. And then when they start to grow, and they will eventually, then something happens that is pretty much like us. The seeds that we plant in our lives and in the actions that we take will have us harvest an outcome. And everything in my life is an outcome of some thought, some way of being, some practices that I, I nurtured and cultivated, and then I get the harvest of it. You know, another way, of, it's like reciprocity. We talk about that a lot. So reciprocity has to do with an ecological sense of what have I planted? What have I nurtured? What have I taken care of? And with no guarantee, you see, that's the other thing. It's no guarantee. But I got a better chance of having a full crop of abundance and happiness and joy and love if I am taken care of this little space called Betty Sproul right here. And the thoughts that I plant, the thoughts that I cultivate will grow into, uh, it becomes the harvest. So I ask people not to be surprised by what they get. And some things will be surprised by. But if I'm planting seeds of anger and hostility, don't be surprised when that returns to me. It's the nature of the system in which we are born, in which we grow into, that lets us reap what we sow. So we heard that before, huh? You reap what you sow. I think it's a pretty good example of how of what's possible for us. Betty, in, in the space of this planting, and we bring forth what we've the seeds we've put in, to be in rhythm with the season of harvest and planting. You know, what, what is that in the observer and the experience of saying, oh, this is my, this is my time to seed and harvest? There's, there's a rhythm in that. Is there a way that you enlighten or can share that or open that up for somebody, even in, through coaching or through one of your workshops, so that they can be in tune to that? Because I, I, I experience it. Some people, like, I, I want my harvest. It's planting season, so to say, and, and helping them in that space of that discipline of, of understanding that dance. Yeah, I've recently joined a group of people who are about bringing wisdom, ancient wisdom and indigenous wisdom back to us here on the planet. And the indigenous people around the world pretty much say the same thing in terms of observing and observing what you are planting. And then it's also a way of engaging vibrationally too with what you're planning that allows our props, I mean, our relationships, our children, our monies and all of that to flourish, to thrive. And so, and I'm finding it's not difficult to notice 
And then notice what you haven't noticed before. And notice in a way where there's deep and profound gratitude for whatever seeds come up, even what appears to be weeds. I think we're more like the earth than we're willing to acknowledge something that you said in the seasons. We've moved into a time where everything is in season. When I grew up, there were certain fruits and vegetables that you just didn't have. You had to wait until, but now you can almost get anything. That's not quite true because there are so many ships stacked someplace and they can't get all that stuff in here because of the pandemic and other reasons. But there's something, which I think the pandemic, uh, Mark and Buddy, was about us slowing down, coming back into harmony with the earth, this earth that is our dwelling place. And if we treat it as our dwelling place, it's also guiding us. It's also teaching us, sharing with us compassion and the cycle of birth and death, birth and death, over and over again. It's like here, you know, in cold weather, what do bears do? They go into hibernation. We human beings don't go into hibernation too much. We're too busy. You know, this pandemic was like saying, breathe and stop. And a lot of people got, we were forced to stop and to be with each other in a whole another way. And at the same time, there was some distance and separation, right? But now we say, let's see what emerged out of this deep sleep, this hibernation that we were in for a lot of people. And some people will come out of this richer, and I don't mean just financially, but in a whole way, they will begin to experience themselves as integrated as alive. I don't know if you remember. I remember uh, the first time my sister and I went into a restaurant. So they've been into a restaurant for over a year to eat. It was like, wow, we are really social beings. The interaction, the laughter, the food, and, and all of that, that was so taken for granted, allowed us to be present, to taste to share, to experience the sadness of so many deaths. We've gotten to a place when people die, we just throw them in the ground and say, they're not dead. This is a new age talk too. They're not just, They're not dead. They don't believe in death. That's not true. Something happens. We can call it something else. But it, it opened up a compassion. It opened up another way of living to say that there is time with the beginning a middle, and an end. And how, how am I going to use my time here? And it's not going to last forever. I turned uh, 73 a couple of weeks ago. And I'm realizing that even at 73, I'm not going to be, be in this body and this shape and this form for another 73 years. I don't want it to be. But something shifted where time took on a different dimension. And it's like, if there's a letter on my heart that only I can write, and I believe this is true for every human being on this planet, no one can write your letter except you. And the only way we can write that letter is through discipline, 
you know, what is it? And every one of us are unique. You mean you've heard this before. And there are no two snowflakes alike. Each has its own pattern. I think it's true about us. But how do we find our pattern? You know, this is something, as you were speaking, you know, we're weaving a lot of things together, but we're talking about success. So I feel like we're very success-driven everywhere, especially now. It's like everybody wants to succeed at everything. You do it in coin, you know, in crypto, you want to do it in this space and that space. And But how do we distinguish or define everybody's got is unique, so everybody's success is unique, everybody's idea of success is unique. How do we find some kind of a ground? You know what I'm I getting do. at? Like, if we're so driven for success, what is it really? What does it look like? How does it stay individualized? And yet, I'm rifting here because there's a part of me is like, what, what is that? Like, how do we define it? What if it's individual? Where you know, where's the line? See, that's the thing. It's not individual. That's a part of the myth of the Western world. So, like, you, your son. Let's say that your your child is your walking heart outside of you, and he cannot become his possibilities without at least someone caring, nurturing, and guiding him. Not in terms of what he must do, but we, we're talking about being a space, a space where he can recognize his creativity, his dignity, his possibilities. And that happens through and with other people. It's, it's like if when he was born, if you had placed him outside under a tree, he would have died. So we're not here alone. And we make that mistake. And we've made it not just here in the West, but something happened when we started to say, you know, this rugged individualism and I can do this on my own. And that's not true. So talking to a friend, another friend of mine, and he's leading a big conference for his company. And he said something, and I said, well, now, let's, wait a minute, let's talk about this. He was saying, it's their success or their failure. I said, this old thinking in a business, it's our success. And it's also, I don't, I don't call it failure anymore. I say they're, they're not failures. There's only feedback, but it's your feedback and all of your feedback together in terms of how you can navigate and cultivate you and your practices, your thinking, your language, and your belongingness so that you can fulfill on the promises that you make to each other and the promises that you make to the, to the people you serve. It's, just, it's a different... And especially now, and I'm seeing the pandemic and the environmental crisis that we're in is saying, no, it's not individual. And that's not to say that we're not individual. It's a both end. And the flooding heard me have, heard me have this conversation before. It's not either or. It's a both end. How do I provide or how do I show up? How do I participate so that we all thrive? Because unless you're thriving in your fullness, I'm not thriving in my fullness. And I can make a myth about how well I'm doing, but it's not, I don't think it's the way that it is. And that's you know, one of the reasons I love my little trees, my big trees, and their intelligence. 
because they say, and they begin to have scientific proof for it, that in the forest, the trees can tell who needs more water, and they send it. And what do we human beings do? You need more water, you're on your own, buddy. Get out of here, die so I can have more water. We're all in this together with different talents, different resources, and it's in the sharing of that that life is richer for everyone. Does that make sense? Completely, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's shifting from that alone to we're collective. Everything I do affects you. You affect, like we're together. There's, and which is part of what COVID showed us that we're together. Like, it's not like it only hit certain people. It hit all of us. So we are together. There's a, per, a part of COVID that is maybe taught, hopefully taught us that we're together. We're not, we're not separate. And I know it's affected certain people more than others, but we're in this together. There's nobody hiding that said, oh, I, I didn't get COVID or I haven't been affected by it. Or no, and, and that's how many billions of people on the planet? 7.5, 7.6 global. That's why now we say we are, we really are a global family. And I was listening to Deepak Chopra talk about the pandemic because, as you know, some people are going, it's not my business and I won't get into the politics of it. But he said something that I found very interesting. He said it's because our ability to connect all over the globe now that made this crisis what it was, because there have been pandemics before. But if I'm on an island with, with the pandemic and cannot be with other people, then it's just those people on, on that island that are affected. And so new awareness is emerging. And it's like you said, Mark, we, it affects all of us. Everything that happens in this, on this planet affects all of us. It's the butterfly effect. The butterfly flaps its wings in India and it affects the, whole, affects the whole ecosystem. And now, so what is success? So it's a deep question, which we are, many people are living in. And this is the thing about poverty. You see, the people who are, is this the way to say, the most poor are suffering the most, not only from this pandemic, but from the, the climate crisis. Their water, the air. And when we wake up to that, and I got to tell you, this new generation, they're on this about climate. I mean, they get it, not like a concept, but they get that the water we drink, if we don't have clean water, we can't live here. And they're saying, okay, you older folk, let's do something about this. And hunger. Why is anybody starving on this planet when we have the technology that we have? I mean, we can make up some things about it called you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. What is that? Especially. It's back to you. It's on you, right? It's That's back to like, it's your problem. problem. Okay, especially when you're over there spilling oil in the Pacific Ocean. Come on, who put the, the oil there? And it was, it was accidental, but it affects all of us, not just the people in Southern California, but how many species are now being destroyed 
because of oil, the oil being spilled. So it's not just their problem. And when I say it's our, when I say it's our problem, it's also our solution that we come up with. How do you generate that we consciousness? Right? Because I feel like we've spoken about this before. It's like there's the me and there's the we. And there's a shift that has gets to occur, right? The observer, right? There, there, there's, a, there's an ownership or a declaration of it's a we. You're entering into one of my favorite topics. We need a new language. Ah. A new, the language of we. Our language is me. And when we have a new language of we, then we began to care for each other and the trees and everything else in a different way. But see, the language we live in defines us. And that's why I'm excited about this work I'm doing uh, with around indigenous wisdom, because they live in a language of belonging, not just fitting in, but belonging to the all. This is, and we're not here to dominate the earth. We're not here to dominate each other. But there are some texts, historical texts out of Greece and even the Bible that gives us the illusion that we're here to dominate and not partner with, not be with, not care for. And it's that we dwell together. So we've decided we don't dwell here on the planet. We're here to take charge and do what we want to do. But when I'm dwelling with you, it's like our conversation right now. Who's leading the conversation? We're, we're in dialogue. You're listening. Well, what does Betty want, need? And I'm listening. What does Mark and Claudine want, need? In this conversation that we're in, conversation are just not words, but there's a, a listening and when we can start to listen, then there's an intimacy that shows up. And it's in that intimacy where the I, the I will disappear and what emerges is a we. And in that we, that intimacy, then we will bring forth that which serves all of us, not just me. So I say one of the issues we're dealing with, especially in, in the Western uh, worldview mindset, isolation. We live in isolation quite a bit, which contributes to drugs. And now, when people are out doing drugs, and I don't mean you know occasional drugs, but when they're addicted, there's something missing. And I said it has to do with belonging. It has to do with this is not an overused word by any means, but love. It also has to do with a disconnect from that disconnection from that animating force called spirit, God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't make me. My mother and father, and they're wonderful and beautiful, and yeah, they, they both died, and I love them. But one night they had sex, and I got to be here. But, <laughs> you know, the sperm and the egg connected, so it already tells us that I didn't get here by myself. But this is the thing about Mother Nature. She's a mess. She uses us 
to create her over and over and over and over again. And if you watch little girls at a certain age, when they start to get their menstrual period, that's Mother Nature. And she's preparing that little girl to receive the sperm so that she is duplicated again or replicated, produced over and over and has been in, in every, just about every species, mammals, but just like the seed in the soil, the seed by itself cannot become an apple tree unless it's planted, placed in soil with water. So we're not alone, but we have, you know, we human beings. We go, oh, yeah, I, I can do anything I want to do. No, you can't. And when we realize that we're not free and we're part of a whole system, a whole ecology, then we have freedom. That is a very different definition of success and, and, and belonging for many. It's like you need to brother and sister. You can tell too, huh? Now that I look at you. <laughs> That's the beauty. And then where does discipline come in? And listening is it's another, something the mystics talk about quite a bit, which is breathing, listening, having gratitude, and an appreciation, and knowing that life, what's the saying? Life comes but once. You know, in the village, in the village, in the village, they heard that little poem. But life comes but once to us, to me, so it appears. But life is lifing over and over and over again, and that's been for billions of years. And so what am I in this dance? Name, you know, someone with the name of Betty Sproul and my ancestors, many, 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 many ancestors, just like you, many, many ancestors. And to even acknowledge that there's something that happens here, wow, I'm not alone. And if I don't discipline my mind, I will walk around as if I am alone. And in that aloneness, there's desperation. And it's also a level of not care, not it, you can't care in your loneliness. And it produces violence. Young man yesterday, I think it was in Texas, took, went to school to shoot some people because they had been bullying him. Right? That was his solution. 16, I believe. But could you shoot your brother? No, because there's a, a connection. I am you, you are me. How do we communicate when there's a, a breakdown? I think this is this podcast, huh? And there'll be breakdowns, disagreements, but learning now how to communicate, how to listen, how to forgive and give forth what forgiveness really means. Because every time I, you know, I wake up and realize that your life matters, it truly does. And why does your life matter? Not just because I say so, because you and I are one in the same. And having your life matter makes, it shifts our consciousness. It's like these uh, kids in the school yesterday. They love their teacher. And they said they had heard their teacher say, for high school, I think, I, the way he said it, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something about, I care for you. Well, he put his life on the line for those kids. 
he put him in a room and he went out to stop the shooter. And that's a form of caring. Another story I heard. I love great stories that speak to this bravery, this courage. So mother, her little child fell down a, a manhole out in the park. I think in New Jersey or Philadelphia, but somewhere. And she was screaming, my child, somebody help, somebody help. She jumped down the manhole and got her kid. And when the rescue people arrived, they couldn't figure out how she did it. So it was impossible. But something happens when our care comes forth like that. I care for my son. She didn't throw him in the... Now, some people don't care for their kids. And they throw them down the manhole. <laughs> you know? But it's, a, it's that kind of care. Not always dramatic like that, but the little things we do. So, you know, to your listeners, learn to care for the people in your household by being present, by listening, by asking a simple question. Is there anything I can do for you? Sometimes it's hard because I get so caught up in my world and my work. My sister and I, they're together. And I go, can't you see I'm working? I should say, can't you see I'm standing here? You know what I mean? It's like, it's a time to breathe. Work will be here. It always is. And the more I can confer dignity and belonging to you, then you confer dignity and belonging to others. And, and then something magic happens. And we call it love. That is the ultimate resourcefulness. It is. And I say there's no love in the world, but we bring love through us human beings to each other. But there's nothing in the world unless we bring it. You know, that's what where these we talk about consciousness, awareness, this embodiment. I'm beginning to believe too that our success has to do with what we bring. Do we, are we bringing that which is uplifting, which is joyful? It's okay to be happy. It is okay to be happy. You know, there's in the archetypes that I'm studying, it's sort of like the gesture, the clownish kind of one, lighthearted. And how can we be lighthearted when there's so much going on? But that's an aspect of us, honestly, that we need to find. How can we laugh? How can we play? How do we take time to play and listen to music and do all of that? Because that shifts our moods and it makes it possible for the gentleness that we human beings have also gentleness, tenderness, kindness to also be present. And that takes discipline as well. So, you know, we do a call to action challenge for our listeners. And this seems like everything we're talking about has something. So do you have something we could give to our listeners, a call to action, just a simple thing in their life that they can do to maybe start cultivating this place of connection, the we, the longing. Yeah, the longing. Learn to breathe because, you know, this pandemic also speaks to no breath, right? The mask. Isn't that amazing? And what happens to our, our lungs? This biology was built in a particular way, this biology. We must have air. If we don't have air, we die quickly. I can go two or three days without food. I can even go without water. 
how many minutes can I go without air? And so the call to action I would have for people is, you know, mindfulness, yes, it's become very commercial and it works to learn to and notice, you know, the air in your body as it moves. Because what goes in, it comes back out and being present to that. I also would ask people to as many times a day as possible to take your shoes off and stand on the earth, on the ground, and feel the energy and the power of the earth, and even find some practices that they can do outside on the ground. People who live in concrete, I'm not going to make a claim, but I think it's harder for them to experience kindness than someone who's living in a community, the earth, where they're out there. Not because people are bad or wrong, but they have less access to the animating forces of this whole universe. This is part of what CNET does. It, put a, it puts a cap on it. And I would recommend to people, find a way, and especially if you have kids, find a way to get them outside in the park. Find a way for them to go hug a tree, talk to a tree, or find your favorite tree and talk to, I don't know, trees or he's a, uh, do they have genders? I don't know. I don't know either. But they call them she's or he's. But spider way to begin to connect. And I noticed during the pandemic, a lot of people got dogs. But something happened there too, because dogs, I don't have dogs. My sister won't let me have one. We share a house together. She said, you're never here. And if you get a dog, I will end up taking care of the dog. And I am not doing that. And there's something about these dogs that happened during the pandemic. My nephew has a little dog in his wife. And I tell you, this little dog has become more human since the pandemic. <laughs> what about your dog, Mark? What kind do you have? It's a Beagle Jack Russell. And she is personality plus one day walker she climbs up a tree you know it's just she's a unique character brings personality and fun never boring it's just and not consistent like right now she doesn't like to go out after it gets too dark in the summertime in the winter she'll go out and after dark but in the summer times it's like no 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 she has interesting quirks but but a lovely you know she's an alpha female She'll go to attack, like protect and attack, but she really wants to play, but she has to stand, you know, let you know who she is. She's, she's a character. Great though. Yeah. She'll take on the pit bull. She's like 16 pounds. She'll take on 110 pound, but she's a funny dog. And what are you learning from her about relations, relating in life? You know, there's a balance in her. She can cuddle and she's just out there and like playing unique, you know, for me, it's, let yourself be free and come home for cuddles. Surrender. Surrender and cuddle. You know, the other thing in terms of archetypes, we're talking about the warrior archetype, which is, I think, a large part of the Western world is based on that archetype, warrior. Especially, you know, you look at Western medicine, chop something out or you get peels and all, and all that kind of stuff. But in, in the Eastern medicine, it's more of a, what would you say? So almost an internal, right? An internal warrior, like the, I'm a warrior inside myself. I'm not out there killing or chopping. And then it's, it's an allowing, you know, receptivity. 
It's not beginning to find what love is. You know, love is also receiving. Because if you can't receive, it's in the receiving. And you know when you're received. You know when somebody receives you and you just, it's more than warm and fuzzy. It's like something happens to your whole being when you receive completely. And I'm going to see that it's what love is. So when I, and, and you know, for you, for the people who are listening, see if you began to listen to people and listen in a way where they get that you get them and they're completely received by you. You know, this thing, I see you. And then it's, I'm here. But and, and that's the beauty of us human beings. Unless you're seen, you don't exist. I mean, like truly seen. And you see this with mothers and their babies. When these two eyes, the mothers are looking at their babies. Or lovers. You know, when you're looking in the eyes and you can just drop everything and be completely received. By another, you are transformed in the moment of being received. So learn how to see people and learn how to let people see you. That is the piece. All of you, not allowing you to be seen and not always putting on all this stuff, pretending. I want to just cap one thing for a moment, which was there was many offerings of a call to action, you know, it, being in nature and, and finding that space, right? Even in the stillness of mindfulness or getting your shoes off and, and being like connected to the energy <laughs> and whatever our listeners choose, we ask you to put that on our Facebook page uh, at, at the BTO podcast so we can see what comes up for you. If you want to take a picture, write a post. So thank you for those. And, and the I really also appreciate the full receiving and allowing to be seen and to, to melt. There's something about that. Just I just felt like melting into being seen, right? Like I am here, all of me. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, it's like a yearning, a longing to be seen. Yeah, got to take the armor off and belong. We all, I, th- I think we all want it on some level, consciously or not, but there's so many stories and <laughs> stuff we have here. Yeah. To give the illusion of protection, and the more armor we put on, the less seen we are, and the less we can see. And it's taking that away and being, I don't want safe. I don't want to make it as much as possible, make it safe for you to be. And that also has to do with working compassion, passionate heart, understanding the human condition is not an easy condition, but to honor that each person is walking a path. And when I meet you, if anything I can do to make your path a little bit easier, a little bit more sacred, a little bit more divine and holy, then I say that's what I'm here for and what we're here for with each other and to give up the illusion that we're separate and that we connect and we belong and we belong in such a way that all of life is singing and dancing through us as us and with the all this is a great time to go and transition into our quick fire questions and my first question is what does god mean to you uh god is the animating force throughout this whole universe 
and the name he put on it is not it. It cannot, God cannot be named because as soon as I put a name on it, it becomes the name and not the phenomenon that God is. And this is what happens in, in religions and different cultures. And we go to war to say, this is what God is and this is what God is. And there's nothing that's not God. Nothing. But it's in my interpretations that I start to describe, defend, and say, that's not God. And in many religions, or the interpretations that we bring to many religions, is that there's a heaven and hell. And if you're a good person, you go to heaven. If you're a bad person, you go to hell. And we, and we believe that. I don't think God has anything to do. I mean, this force, this energy that's animating the entire universe isn't going... You're good, you're bad, you're right, you're wrong, you're going to heaven. This is a dance of life. And and the more I can connect to that force, the more meaningful my life is. And I I tell stories sometimes when I meditated in the Great Pyramid in Cairo. And I'm sitting there meditating. This was... 20 years ago or longer, you know, I'm a warrior activist, social activist and all of that. And we've been in there breathing and meditating and, and in the king's chamber, it's really pissy. I mean, it smells, doesn't smell like perfume or any of that. But I'm sitting there and I had a, I smelled something that was so sweet. I started to cry and it was like my third eye, the true eye of seeing like something dropped down and I could see through the top of the pyramid and there were all these constellations and all this going on. And I said, Sproul, you don't know anything about astronomy. You're tripping. And I said, get back here. I, I, I thought I was losing my mind. And so I closed my eyes and then the smell got rich again. And then there were all these teachers and masters around And they said, the world doesn't need your hatred or your contempt. The world needs your love. And in that moment, my heart, it was like my heart, there was a burst. And I was forever transformed because I got an understanding that people really are doing the best that they can, even the crazy ones. And the more I hate and bring war, the more I perpetuate that. And that's what we've been doing for thousands of years. But what is it to love and to be love-loving? That takes discipline. And it takes a kind of courage, because the word courage itself means of the heart. And it takes courage to love when there's no love. It appears as if there's no love there. So to me, there's some use the word God. I try to stay away from it because I know people are bringing their own meanings and, and interpretations. But this animating force is the power of the universe. And when we can align with that, let that and become one with that power, then everything becomes possible for all of us. I don't know if I'm answering your question. That's perfect. That was great. So, um, what do you want your legacy to be? What it is right now <laughs> you know, is that I that I, I cared. Sometimes 
I'm amazed. Like I said, you know, my dad and my mom and dad were farmers. We didn't have a lot of money. In fact, I was born into a house with no running water, outdoor toilet, basically without some of the conveniences of, of wealth. And I remember uh, going home from college my in my first order, and I said, Daddy, did you know we were poor? And he said, what are you learning at this school? I say, you know, they did this thing. And this is how much money you make. I mean, we had gotten a whole bunch better. But this is how much money you make. So that makes us, yeah, we're living below poverty. And he looked at me and he said, did you have enough food? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, did you have shoes on your feet? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, and did you have love? And I said, yeah. He said, so then you're not poor. You're not in poverty. You never have been and you never will be as long as I'm a part of your life. And it shifted something for me. And so my legacy, you know, when I moved from California back here, I said, if someone had told me that I would sell a house for a million plus, I would have never believed it. So this is the money side. And I've never worked for money. That's not quite true. When I was picking cotton in the fields, trying to work for money to go to the state fair, you know, I was working for money. But it hasn't been a driving force in my life. But then I began to find out the impact of having money and started to challenge some of my beliefs around money. You know, it's easier for uh, someone to go through the eye of the camel than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. All that kind of stuff started really to challenge my beliefs around money, to notice them, and to to my legacy. I've traveled the world. I met kings and queens and philosophers and Mark and Claudine, and and so my life has been rich in so many ways. Are there other things I want to do? Yes. But in terms of my legacy, if people appreciate and get that I cared and that I cared in a way that they got to see themselves as whole and complete and beautiful, which quite a few people have, that's a legacy. Beautiful. Beautiful legacy you have. Thank you. I will say, as someone who's graduated from your school and been in your space, I will say you I do leave your space knowing I've been cared and seen. So you live your legacy. Create success in that way for those you touch. Now, an honor to have this conversation. I always look forward to any opportunity to connect with you, Betty. So I, I want to thank you for sharing your space, time, and wisdom with us on success and discipline and what you've brought forth here today. And thank you. Both you and Mark, you know, my uh, school, Ideal Coaching Global, is expanding and it's expanding out of the ontology. It's a big word, but the study of being and, and mindfulness and then ecology. Now, like 30 years ago when I put all that together, I, was, I look back now and it was I was putting something together to bring to the market, but it was in my heart to bring it. And so now OME 
is showing up in so many places. And it's like, it's one of those gifts when enough people have it and they start bringing it forward, not just one person, it brings about a, a shift. And if you don't mind, I'd like to plug my school. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, I know that we're going to have it in the show notes and everything also. We'll be, we will be starting a school in Spain next year. It's nice. And I say, if people want to learn, and, this, and it is learning, we require you to think. And thinking not like analyzing, but begin to think in a way, because thinking is creation. Begin to think in a way where you can create. And I invite people to check us out. We got my at my website, and we have a course starting next week, and we have a few slots available. And come and find out and see what's possible. It's not so much about coaching, as Claudine will tell you, but it's about being with ourselves and each other in such a way so that what can emerge is our brilliance. What can emerge is there's the emergence of the heart, deep compassion for ourselves. And that's what I do most of the time these days in businesses and in courses. And and I thank the both of you so much for what you're doing and having these kinds of discourses and letting people know that there's something else available besides suffering. And there's a way, there's a way. So thank you. Thank you, Betty. Thank you been a pleasure and an honor and uh, we're gonna just do a little sign off yes and i look forward to connecting in the future yeah we, we have your name on our list <laughs> you got it <laughs> i think we know how to yeah. find each other okay yes. thank you so you're welcome and thank you everyone for listening to break through the ordinary podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode and our deep dive into connectivity wisdom and in success and discipline. So if you'd like to support this podcast, please leave a rating and share it with others and post about it on social media. To catch the latest episode, follow us at the BTO Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.